welcome to a very interesting BIP chat today with two experts in the field of marketing and e-commerce. Very exciting to have Phil Rothwell and Carolyn Boddington with us today. And if ever there was a time in the business world for you to be able to improve your marketing, improve your e-commerce, improve the way you communicate, this is definitely one of them. And it's amazing how many nudges you get when you just listen to new people. So I hope you're all going to really enjoy this show today. Um, and before we properly start, I want to give a little bit of context on why it's called a BIP chat. So BIP stands for Business is Personal. And this is obviously a chat. And we believe, Thomas and I, um, that business is personal. And it's the juxtaposition of when somebody says to you, it's not personal, Penny, it's just business. And to most of us, when we hear that, if we have ever heard that, it's like a bit of a stab to the heart. Because, of course, business is personal. It's personal to ourselves. And it is very personal in the way that we treat others. And the world is getting more emotionally intelligent. And we're all expecting more of a personal conversation and um, more personal service from people as we see things like AI emerge and automation there is nothing like personal communication and today you're going to get that we care a lot about our listeners and them learning from experts and so BIP100 is where we have curated with a lot of blood sweat and tears particularly for Thomas to find experts that can really support our network, the people that know us, looking for great suppliers. And there is nothing that we love more than somebody contacting us and saying, do you know somebody who could be a marketing strategist? Well, yes, we know Carolyn Boddington. Do you know somebody who is an expert in e-commerce and social media and tying up all the loose ends so that an e-commerce business can be successful? Well, yes, just so happens we know Phil Rothwell. So when you're looking for suppliers, always contact Thomas and I, and um, we will definitely be able to introduce you to someone not only with expertise, but also with the ethics that we believe you should have in business and the values of kindness. So that is bit chat. And you are very welcome here as a listener. We always think that attention is the most amazing thing to win from someone. And we hope we can keep your attention for the next 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, if you miss any of this, we will always um, have this on our YouTube channel um, and also across um, 12 podcast channels, which you can listen into from Spotify to all of your favorite ones if you look up Bip Chat. So now let's get going on this Bip Chat. And today, well, we've said it's about Google Ads and, um, and Chat GPT. It doesn't mean to say we're necessarily joining the two things together but actually there is an interesting conversation to have around that so I'm going to first of all ask Phil Rothwell just to tell us all a little bit more about him and then I'll do the same with Carolyn so Phil please can you let our listeners know a little bit about you hi yes I'm I've been working uh, in e-commerce since about 1997 and so uh, over the years I've uh, I've learned a few things and worked with all different types different types of customers in uh, mainly in online retail, but also in services as well. And so over that time, I picked up a fair amount of experience, which is, uh, which is really the platform for I need to, to deliver help to my, to my customers, really. Uh, in terms of my skills, I'm, a, I'm an all-rounder, so I'm a, a jack of all trades. Uh, perhaps not quite a master of none, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy and I need to understand the big picture when I'm looking at a business or helping a business grow. And uh, 
I, I'm also very keen on technology and I write programs and code and all that sort of stuff, um, as well as generate marketing content. And so I like to do job work that involves all those things. And I found that if you understand all those things, it, it, it makes you, it makes it easier to uh, deliver what I del deliver to my customers, which ultimately is about increasing their bottom line online. How amazing. I love oh, increasing their bottom line online. Increasing <laughs> good statement. That's nice. good. That is really good. And um, so if somebody wants to look Phil up, you may be listening to this. What is the, the URL that is best for them to look and, and learn about you on? Um, ecomevolve, E-C-O-M-E-V-O-L-V-E.co.uk, ecomevolve.co.uk. Brilliant. And if you want to connect with Phil on LinkedIn, um, it's Phil with one L. Rothwell, R-O-T-H-W-E-L-L. -L. So um, great to have you with us. And I think Jack of all trades, I think people sort of think that's, uh, as you say, because it usually follows the master of none, but you really are a master in so many things. And it's great that we've got Carolyn here because Carolyn as a marketing strategist has worked with Phil in particular clients. And so Carolyn, tell us, tell us a little bit about your business and, and what you do. Um, well, I'm Carolyn Boddington, and I've been in marketing for a, a while, mostly in the high tech space. And I guess essentially, I like to describe myself as a marketing fixer and creator, because I help business owners maybe avoid costly random acts of marketing, and maybe the mistakes that come from that, and you know the budget that that may eat up. And I turn that into helping them to implement strategies that make them money, and you know build a strong brand equity. So what I really want to do is make sure that whatever resource or investment or you know budget they've got, that they use it for the biggest win. Yeah, I love random acts of marketing. Do you know, as soon as you <laughs> said that, my feet started to sweat. And that's always where I feel stress <laughs> in my feet. It's really yeah. funny. I'm watching a film. If I find it scary, it's my feet that sweat. Sorry, not <laughs> a very nice image of me. But you just did it to me because that is something we all do because we, we can all do it so spontaneous and excited it's the last latest thing i've just heard i've got to do that and yeah yeah to exactly from that my goodness I do. yeah that, I, do. I love that i love it so from phil we had that great strap line what was it to to increase the bottom line online growing bottom, yes. line, bottom line, line, line which is hash flow yeah, yeah i love that so um whereas i mine's avoid my avoid life is increasing random acts of marketing and yeah. random acts of marketing. marketing. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So um, I am definitely guilty of increasing my bottom and I'm very guilty of increasing my random acts of marketing. So, um, OK, so let's start off with, um, I think, a really good case study here, actually. So, Carolyn, you've got a you've got a client who came to you. You would work yep. with marketing strategy. Do you want to take us through that? And then you involved um, fill in that. Well, the marketing strategy was really that they needed to be selling online. They, you know, when the pandemic hit, they didn't have an online strategy and they were very much a product based organization that were not really bricks and mortar, but they were on, you know, pop ups at different events. It cost a lot of money. They'd often run out of stock on site. They would have that whole logistical nightmare of getting to and from particular events. The footfall may not have been what they needed it to be. So I sort of very gently persuaded them that there could be a better way and one of the ways was to set themselves up as an online business 
when we were looking at different platforms to use, you know, as a small business, you don't have the budget to be able to invest, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 pounds on an e-commerce site for trading. So, you know, looking at something like Shopify, which is what we ended up on, gave them all of the functionality that they would have had if they'd gone into a bespoke system with lots of templates and things. And we were able to get them up and running quickly. Now, from a marketing point of view, I can do the product descriptions. I can help work out what the branding looks like and which photographs and all that sort of stuff that they need, what the nurture or the sales sequence needs to be coming out of it. But when it came to the tech stuff, I wanted to make sure that when we switched it on, the orders were able to be fulfilled. We were able to communicate with the customers. The logistics side of things worked. And thankfully, within our BIP community, there was Phil, like the absolute ideal person that I needed to work with. And so Phil basically got us over the line. You know, it took us a long time to get to 80%. And that 20%, which was the game changer of going to market effectively and on time and from day one switched on without any issues, um, was Phil. Amazing. Well, that's how a community works at its best. And I'm so thrilled yeah. to hear that. And so, um, Phil, so when you when somebody comes to you with an e-commerce challenge, um, there must be a broad range depending on their budget of how you can actually support that. What's what, what sort of the end to end differences around e-commerce? Well, this is a Caroline's project was um, a little bit different in that it was I came in right at the end and, and really the the emphasis was on providing a bit of technical know-how and experience to, to get everything configured and set up on the side live, um, uh, which is, of course, very, very difficult to do. It's very easy to do if you've got a technical background, very hard to do if you haven't. But um, often customers, uh, when they approach me, they'll be in all sorts of stages. I mean, sometimes uh, usually they've got a legacy e-commerce platform. They might, they might absolutely need to migrate to Shopify where, and then uh, the project really is about, is about moving where they are today to onto a new platform. And as you can imagine, that, that kind of touches almost every aspect of their business um, from right from the marketing all the way through to dispatch, delivery, payments, etc. Um, and a good way, but whatever, whatever the case is, uh, you know, I usually like to start by trying to understand the business because in IT, uh, in IT, IT provides solutions to problems. Uh, and where IT projects go wrong is, is when you deliver a solution to a problem, to the wrong problem, i.e. the problem that doesn't exist, um, which often is born out of assumptions. So, so sometimes when companies come to me, and I'm sure Caroline would reflect on this, is when companies come, <laughs> Uh, companies come to me and they say we've got a problem with our website the truth is they've really got a, a problem with their sales more often than not and the reason they've got a problem with their sales is they've got a problem with their marketing yeah. um, and uh, and basically they're doing the wrong things on the marketing side and so the solution to the problem involves a website but actually it, it, it demands you know, fixing the, 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 the challenge at root which is fundamental, often they just really, they've lost sight of what business they're actually in. Yeah, well, they're so deeply in it. It's just hard to look up and look around at your own business, isn't it? Totally agree so with we, that. We, um, we said in, in, in the promotion of this podcast that um, 
we were going to talk about Google Ads and ChatGPT. So I would love to do that because we obviously want to honour uh, how we're attracting our listeners to us. Um, so I'm just thinking of us. So Thomas and I spent quite a lot of our marketing budget about 18 months ago on Google Ads. And it was and we hired someone to help us. Not not not, not anyone that's um, one of our experts here now. And um, it yeah i'm not surprised actually it was the biggest (laughs) biggest waste of money for us really really. it was a big fart really and um so obviously you know google ads aren't always the best way so do do you want to help me a little bit with this phil about google ads and when is a good time and when isn't and why sometimes they fail and why they sometimes succeed I think the place to start is to think about the, the basics of, of how a, a Google Ads campaign, what a Google Ads campaign needs to do to work. Okay, so, so initially you, you place ads to get clicks. Um, and when you get clicks, you pay money for clicks. You pay a cost per click. And that cost per click, particularly in the consulting world, can be quite high. And then when they land on the website, you... You will typically all but well, you should, they're not always companies don't always do, have some kind of call to action, some way of converting that that click into a prospect or a sale. And for it to work profitably, you've got to have a the combination of all things right. So the ad's got to be from being promoted to the right people and saying the right things, otherwise, you get the wrong people going to your site. Um, if you if you wait once they arrive on the site, unless they're convinced by your proposition, they're not going to respond. Now, the conversion rate, as as we call it, so is that the, the challenge with the conversion rate is it's dependent on so many different things. And um, but what one of the things which is the most important, which we don't always realize, is the brand awareness. So when you arrive on the site, if you're familiar with the organization uh, or the brand or know the name or have a connection with the people involved in that business, um, then you're much more likely to convert than if you don't. Mm-hmm. So what, what um, so Google Ads works when you pay a reasonably low price for your click and you've got a reasonably well-known brand name and an offer that's credible and reasonable. Yeah, it's a so, whole end-to-end journey, isn't it? Yes. And it's but another even, one of those random acts of marketing that you talk about there, Carolyn. But I think even lifting it up, you know, that's kind of the mechanics of the ad. You know, there's the components that would make an ad successful. But I think in the beginning, you know, you look at, is this the type of product or service that should be sold by a Google ad? And I think they're very good and very effective for things that are productized or commoditized and that are very defined. So, you know, if it is a piece of software, maybe it's, a, you know, getting them into a product demo. If it's something that doesn't change for each of the customers, but, you know, when you're talking about consulting services or high-end coaching or one-to-one services, would you really, you know, spend money, you know, would you really click on an ad and expect that expert to be the right sort of person to be working with? So I think they have their place. And I think it all comes down to 
you know, what type of business is it? What sort of product are you selling? And is that the right strategy? Is that the right tactic for you in order to get out into the marketplace? And then once it is, once you've decided, you know, if it is a demo that you're trying to get or a free trial on a piece of software or something, then everything that Phil said comes into play. You know, your brand awareness, what is the cost per click, you know, and where are you placing the ads and, you know, how much money, how much budget are you prepared to put behind it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we sort of we've all seen over the years these different memes that come in where, you know, you sort of jump on, oh, that's what we need to do now. And that's what we need. Yeah. To do. I think this is where. Now, what about um, this this concept of chat GPT that everybody's talking about? I don't know whether if I, if I stay with you, Carolyn, what is your view of it at the moment? A, well, I think it's really that's... from a marketing point of view, I think it's really useful as a tool. I mean, it's like having, I don't know. A junior copywriter sitting beside you and you can get them to do the first pass or go off and do a bit of research on something and then you can come in as you know the more senior more experienced person and amend modify add to whatever it is that you've created i think we had a very brief conversation earlier about whether or not you use chat gpt for google ads and the one thing that did come out is for us all to remember that with chat gpt you know it's only up to September 2021 so you haven't got a real-time intelligence agents that you're you know accessing constantly so as long as you remember that it's a tool in your armory and it's not the total solution um, and it needs some work then I think it's fantastic. Mm. And do you think it's anything more than a, a productivity plug-in? Do you think it is a revolution or is it just like Clippy in Microsoft Office 30 years ago? <laughs> it's probably a little bit more sophisticated than that and it's it's still new isn't it how do we know where we're going to take it but i think you know conversations that we've all had in the past is very much reminding us that it's responding to the input that we give it so the more detailed and the more information that we can give it the better the output it will give us um i think because it's not a real time you know intelligence agent and you know i think we've got to remember that we still need to be the creative ones that are you know, bringing our ideas into it and asking for something that may just give us some shortcuts. Mm, mm, mm. So for you, you when you think of it as a copywriter, for you, it's it's like having an employee. Yeah, it's sort of like, or even just kickstarting my creativity process, you know, like the screen is white. What am I going to write about? Let's get some ideas going, you know, and okay, so it's actually around it. your creativity. It can, it can on some days and other days I might go, could you just rephrase this? I know I haven't got it quite right. Or can you shorten it? You know, sometimes I might write something and it's really long, it might not be quite appropriate for what I'm working on. And then, you know, that's a great tool. You know, how do I condense that to 13 words? Nice. What do you make of it, Phil? Well, I, I, I can't put more into the other. I think it's actually absolutely extraordinary, really. And I think it's <laughs> going to change the world. Um, do you probably in the next 10 years quite substantially um and uh and that's not i'm not standing i'm agreeing with caroline i just think the potential <laughs> for it is just incredible really um uh so yesterday i was uh because we were going to do this talk i thought i'd better have play with bard and uh, uh i know that um uh, uh thomas was saying earlier he preferred chat gpt I, I think I prefer Bard, actually. So I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not too sure why. But, you know, I asked it to knock out um, a, um, basically a summary of uh, 
a competition, a photography competition I'm doing with a client. And it just all whacked it out. And, um, and uh, it was very similar to what I'd already written. So I was able to use that to sort of sub-edit it and that. The next thing I did was I tried to do, I wanted to do a Facebook post. So I asked it to create a Facebook post. And it gave me one supremely good paragraph, you know, and I thought that's what I need, this paragraph. I tweaked one or two bits as well. So... But in those two examples, is that anything more than a, a digital assistant, a productivity plugin? Uh, I guess it, not for me at the moment. That might change. I mean, when you say a revolution is going to change the world in the next 10 years, I just think, oh, it's just like adding air conditioning to a car. <laughs> well, I don't think so. so. That is revolutionary. You can live in a hot country, isn't it? I mean, so we've got we've got some people listening and there's a comment here. Hi, Gary Nussel, who's listening. He says Google Bard is far better as it integrates the real-time web access with pre-populated large language model. ChatGPT is so this morning, although its integration with Microsoft Bing helps. So there you go. Oh, Gary, Gary, it's so not true. <laughs> right, so that's Gary. Yeah, and thank you for way off ChatGPT. Uh, so you're going to have to pick that up with Gary later, Thomas. Um, so thank you. We've got Stavos, we've got Dermot Hill talking, Joshua. Thank you. I just want to note the people that are joining us live. It's really nice. And I want you to know that. Can I put their questions here. into the thread in real time yet? Because LinkedIn doesn't necessarily allow that in, in a real time feed. Well, I've got it in real time on my phone. I have. So that's why I'm looking down. Anybody that's watching me on online. Um, so I am watching you guys. And thank you. Thank you for your um, input here. Um, Gary, you've obviously created a little conversation to have with Thomas later. Um, so um, so let's go back to sort of looking. Because we chatted a bit about these Google ads and chat GPT. And we're talking widely about marketing. Um is there is there anything at the moment, Carolyn, that you're you're feeling that most people are? What is the random acts of marketing or madness mm. that people are are currently that you're witnessing or anything? The the sort of the holes that people can go down. I think it's the relying on taking whatever comes out of Chat GPT and using it as is, and I think that that's really detracting from brand voice and personality and you know what makes them special. So I think if I had anything to advise would be, God, you know, use it and start start off with it. Have it as something that gives you an input, but make sure you rewrite it into your own brand voice, you know, and be very conscious of the fact that at the end of the day, you still, even though you might have it as a bit of a, a trigger or something to get you started, you still want to create your own content. Mm. So I just did a bit of an experiment this morning because I'm talking a lot. I'm really fascinated by um, human behavior when they're connecting and I'm talking about I'm creating this sort of lone wolf pack animal and super pack these sort of three different types of people and um, so I put in you know what are the characteristics of a lone wolf and it all came up as if it was mm -hmm. talking about a lone wolf a proper animal and then I said a human characteristics like a lone wolf and it came up with it completely transformed onto what the human character i thought that is so perfect isn't that yeah from a research perspective it's just gold isn't it it is it is and of course i would need to really examine it and look at it and see whether i agree with it and, and really yeah. think it through but and yeah. you do need to test as well like you do need to fact check as you would do if you had somebody working for you not everything that comes out of it is true so i think that's the other side that i would you know, yeah, be think, very careful of some of the facts and things. I think that's a really good point because you know some of the downs, one of the downsides, known downsides of using ChatGPT is that it's um, it's uh, 
it, it doesn't always get things right. And, um, and so, you know, if you ask it to produce some code, um, uh, regular expression or something when you're writing a program, and, you know, it won't always get it quite right, but actually it, it'll get you 90% of the way to the solution, um, which is great. However, I think I think some of the criticism is a bit is a bit is a bit over the top, really, because the thing is, what we tend to do is we tend to compare things with perfection, you know. So, Chat GPT answered this, and the question, and, and parts of the answer were slightly wrong, lack nuance, etc. But actually, the question isn't whether it's better than perfection. The question is. Is it better than you know your average Joe you work with? Can it give you as reliable um, as reliable an answer more frequently, more easily? And I think the answer is for me is probably yes. I mean, I uh, you know I, I do a lot of work in analytics, and so I was I was thinking about a project I was about to start, and I kind of needed an, uh, an analytics project framework document, and uh, so I sat down and I thought, oh my goodness, I will write this document in my view. 1200 words, 1500 words along. So I thought, well, screw this. So I just went on to chat GPT and said, can you produce me a project management framework document? And it knocked out this incredible, you know, highly credible um, document, which I reviewed. And I thought, well, on the first, really, that was as, as, you know, I've been working in analytics for donkey's years. That was as good as I could have produced, except it did it in 20 seconds. You, know, you sound and, like uh, an A-level student there. Yeah, so I, <laughs> Terrifying. Then I was able to refine it and work yeah. around the client's needs. And, and that then, possibly we should talk about its application in SEO at some point as well, search mm. optimization, because that's where unique content is really essential. But, um, but I thought, uh, after that, I was thinking, this is, this is incredibly, as a productivity tool, this is, isn't just good, this is really yeah. very competent. Yeah. Um, and in fact, when you look at it, if I, I just want to be able to connect it with my um, Alexa device. So I can ask Alexa questions, which are quite complex, and it'll give me a, a short, pithy, but very reasonably accurate response, you know, which, you know. You'll be able to replace your wife. <laughs> <laughs> that tells us all what Thomas thinks about having a wife. It was really not a dangerous territory there, I think. Well, yeah, we won't, we won't ask Thomas for a definition of a wife now. Maybe you should ask the yeah. UTP, Thomas. Um, I'll do that in real time. Yeah, you do that in real time. <laughs> definition of a wife. Right, well, listen in for that definition in a minute. Um, so actually, funnily enough, Daniel Hammond said, if you ask ChatGPT, what is Google Bar? They'll say, they'll say who? <laughs> who? So um, that was quite funny. I thought it was quite funny, Daniel. Um, so as we move to the um, sort of top of the show here, um, so what, let's let's have a little chat here about you know the, the the all the different components of the marketing. And so many people are relying hugely on social media, Carolyn, for their marketing. And I find that really interesting. They're not necessarily putting in the effort to their websites and other parts of the marketing journey. I wonder what your opinion is on that. I think they all, uh, for me, it's sort of like the social media stuff is kind of the implementation bit. After we've done the strategy and worked out what the messaging is, then we would go down and have a look at social. But what happens nearly 100% of the time is everybody's very worried about what they're doing on social. And then they kind of backfill all, you know, the rest. 
So I think, you know, it is what it is. If that's where people feel comfortable and they want to see something making a difference and we all need traction on our social, then mm. yeah, go for it. But don't be, don't forget that you do need to go back and have a look at, you know, the message, what you're offering, where's it positioned and actually is that the right platform for you you know there are some brands that perhaps aren't suited to a strategy on tiktok you know and that maybe others should be spending a bit more time in linkedin mm. um not a, not all platforms are equal for all brands yeah so, yeah absolutely. and that's a conversation we don't seem to have we just seem to think well there's all these platforms we need to be on everything and we'll just put the same content out on everything and they don't operate like that yeah that's true yeah, I mean, you've got the whole sort of building the brand, then the marketing, and then you've got the conversion, which often is down to someone's ability on to actually sell and give comfort when they're speaking to someone. And I know when you're in, anyone that I've known in a marketing position, that's the really big challenge. You can set everything up, but if they're not very good at that aspect of it as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, you know, you could spend an awful lot of time on social media, not have the right offer, not be talking to the right audiences. And that would affect your conversion. And yet the only metric you have is what's happening in social. So you don't tend to look back on, you know, have I got all the components in place that I need to have in order to give myself the best chance on the social channels to be found? Yeah. yeah. When you look at everything you have to do in terms of the channels, the platforms, the content, the CRM, the messaging, the website, the Google ads, the conversion, the analysis, the follow through, the delivery, the dispatch, the fulfillment, this is a very complicated industry. Very. And it's always changing. And it's always, it's changing. always changing. And you only get a year, 18 months where something works and then it doesn't work anymore. And you have to change that, something, something new. But that's your tactics change. The strategy and your, you know, your messaging doesn't change as often as your tactics. So you may adopt and change tactic, but you don't necessarily change strategy. Mm. Mm, that's a really good point really good point um thomas is processing that one yeah yeah, yeah. The yeah. The context where you deliver your strategy aren't they i mean you yeah your marketing strategy is set in the sense of the mission of the business what you're focused on and uh, you know what i found in online retail in particular is that is businesses have a tendency to become defocused over time because they have a successful product line so as a result of that, they create some more product lines. And then if they're a bit more successful, they create some more, they diversify further. And at some point, basically things stop working. Uh, and then they spend more time, they spend lots of time trying to get things that aren't working, working. And that defocuses them away from their core business strategy. Yeah. And so maintaining your core business strategy is all is the constant that should go through the whole, through the whole, in the sense that, you know. I've got one client for whom, you know, we put Facebook posts up and there's very little engagement because Facebook isn't the place where their they customers are yeah. interested in thinking about their products. Whereas I've got another one uh, that sells uh, sporting equipment where a lot of the customers kind of live on Facebook talking about games and all sorts of stuff like that. And where... Uh, and where they can contribute um, information about products and there's a kind of an interest in there because it suits the context of why people are on Facebook. Yeah. And so yeah. this, you know, the idea that you have to have a social channel um, is, you know, it, it, it isn't a, a given. It's, 
yeah, perhaps you need to have a, a Facebook page, perhaps you need to make some posts, but actually investing a lot of money in it might generate very, very little return. Um, what people can lose sight of is that money that's being spent on that isn't being sent somewhere else where it might generate a bigger return. Yeah, yeah. And, and so just and so that that is so when I'm so for instance, when I'm managing Google ads for people, I'm I'm asking the question really, not just the question is am I making money on the ads? I'm thinking, well, am I making on the money on the ads? But if I was to spend this money somewhere else, would I make more money? Yeah, yeah. Um, but Thomas, sort of just coming back to your thing about strategy, because I saw, you know, you grimace a bit. I'm not saying the strategy doesn't need to be agile and aware. I'm just saying that the tactics are the things that you would change more often than you would change your strategy. Yeah, I like it. I like that. I'm really thinking about our own business and what's the strategy and then where are the tactics. And I think it's in the tactical part where that roundabacks of madness or marketing happen. Isn't yeah, it, and it is. It is 100 um, percent. You jump on a bandwagon. You don't really know why you're on that wagon and yeah. how it fits into everything else that you're doing. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I certainly think that Thomas, when we got married and he got very cross when I asked him to do a bit of DIY. He said, Penny, I'm a B-I-Y. This was quite early on in our wedding. Buy it yourself. And I think today illustrates very much why people who are trying to be serious in business should be working with experts and do the B-I-Y. Because there are <laughs> so many DIY. I think social media sort of made us all think we were capable of marketing, you know, didn't it? Yeah. And, and it just yeah, it illustrates did. that... Um, you know, the hiring a marketing strategist, working with experts, it's so critical to make sure that you, uh, you're you not wasting your money and that you're accelerating your business in the right direction. Um, so I finally, because um, Phil, you're an, an e-commerce expert, I'm really curious, is e-commerce just the domain of when you're working with people, people who have got products or people listening if they've got a service? Is there an e-commerce strategy to a service as well? Um, there's there's definitely an e-commerce strategy service. My focus largely is on helping people with uh, who are putting things in boxes and shipping them through the post, so online yeah. retailers. Um, I think there is an online strategy with, with service, but I think it's much more dependent on personal brand. So like yourselves, I've spent a lot of money on Google Ads and generated, I've probably generated a few leads which converted, but, but to be honest, the ones I converted, I already had a connection to via another route. So they weren't people who didn't, weren't aware of me. They, they found me through an ad. But when I spoke to them, they, they were using my previous company's software. And so they'd heard of me through that. So, so I think when you're, uh, you know, forgetting if you're McKinsey or a uh, McKinsey or something like that, where you're a, you're a consultancy, a small consultancy, uh, the thing to do is sit down and think, well, how did I look at all your customers in the last two years and ask yourself, where did, how did I get that business? And I did that um, after I spent all this money on advertising, got ready for return and, and realized that um, pretty much all the business had come through some kind of personal connection. Yeah, interesting. But um, I have noticed that some people, when they're selling time, selling services, you can go, even people have adapted Calendly to be you know to book and pay for the appointment yeah. and things so I, I'm just curious to know have you worked with anybody in the service area where they're sort of putting 
they're putting a, a till in between um, in, in between the, the in that moment where somebody's on their website and they say, yeah, I would like. So I suppose a classic would be, uh, you know, selling yoga or, set, you know, being a yoga personal training, personal, personal training, training and yeah. all those sorts of things. E-commerce must work well for those services as well. Do you think Phil? anything anything with a booking system? I think, yeah. isn't it, Phil? Booking system. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know enough about it to comment. No, you you've been more on the product side. I think. Yeah, um, it's been a great conversation, and I really appreciate. I'm just going to check quickly. Um, oh, here we are. We've got James Jewis online as well. I'm going to catch up with these. Um, James Jewis. Wow. Well, I used to work with James. Hello, James. When I was in my twenties, so. Lovely to see James popping up. There you go. So now in my fifties. <laughs> so that's a that's a good. All those words, babes. And uh, say again. Lovely to see James popping up. <laughs> popping up. I remember James. I remember his muscles. Hello, James. Anyway, <laughs> I think that we have got to the top of the show now, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Just talking about strategy, talking about Google, talking about analytics, talking about. Chat GPT, um, talking about random acts of marketing and making sure if you've got an e-commerce product and you can grow your bottom line online. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Great yeah. line. So thank you so much, Phil and, and Carolyn, and thank you everybody. Very welcome in, and thank you if you went with us live. If you're watching this back uh, while you're walking your dog or in the car or wherever you're listening. Thank you very much indeed. And um, please contact Phil Rothwell, Carolyn Boddington, if you would like to know more about how you can improve your bottom line through marketing and e-commerce strategies. Thank you very much, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.